Hey, I'm Caleb Howard, and this is Tales from Sacred Texts, a religious folklore and Christian theology podcast. Here, we discuss stories from the Bible, the Apocrypha, and the fine line between myth and history surrounding various belief systems. We take on the stories in a sarcastic and humor-driven way that doesn't take itself too seriously, but still shines a light on the principles and ideology behind the stories and their origin. Today's episode is the story of Jephthah, and we'll continue on the theme of anarcho-libertarian governments run by idiotic leaders as we learn just how stupid it is to make a promise in front of all your men that you don't want to keep, how much fun it is to kill an entire tribe because you don't like them, and it won't be the last time this is attempted, and why you don't want to be born a woman in ancient times, if you didn't know that already. Although I tend to comment on stories at the end, I want to make this clear from the beginning. A lot of people try to talk about how God is unjust because of the stupid things that Jephthah does, as if God approves of any of what's about to happen. That's not the idea behind the book of Judges. The book of Judges was written by a supporter of the Hebrew monarchy to basically spin history into proof for exactly why they needed a king, and so the basic point of the book is, look how crazy these people were when we had an anarcho-libertarian style of government. It was literally Florida man times ten. The Bible incorporates this book to basically show just how off the rails even God's chosen people can go when they decide that doing whatever they want is absolutely the way to live life. The entire point is, wow, these people are completely insane. Just a couple examples. Samson goes around killing people because they make him angry and ends up tying foxes' tails together and setting them loose in people's fields. Some guys with torches and a loaf of bread end up demolishing a big army because of God's power, and then the leader of that band starts torturing people with briars, making idols, and his entire family line gets wiped out by his bastard son. People run around the country in bands stealing each other's idols and priests and threatening them with death. Trigger warning, sexual assault, so feel free to hit the skip ahead 15 seconds button once or twice. Now's your chance. Okay. A wife runs away from her abusive husband, who wins her back, but then ends up tossing her to a group of deviants who gang-rape her to death. Yes, this book is not an instruction manual of what to do. It's a huge critique of letting people do exactly what they want without any moral checks. Anyway, before we get into the story, I'm just going to toss in how this is my 25th episode, plus the bonus basilisk story, and I'm so proud of myself and how far this podcast has come. I've really made great strides in my storytelling abilities, and I've told so many exciting and interesting stories. I'm really excited to see where the next 25 episodes of my podcast go, and I have a lot of great ideas for new episodes coming up. All right, now it's time. This intro has lasted long enough. Jephthah was born into one of the leading families of one of the largest and most influential Hebrew tribes. He was excellent in battle, he was courageous, but he had one problem. He was a bastard. And unfortunately for him, what that meant is that the true-born children of his father, Gilead, absolutely hated him. When they got older and realized who his mother was and that she was a prostitute, they drove him away. They would have killed him, too, if he hadn't gotten away fast enough, but as a bastard, Jephthah kind of already knew that the world was against him, and he got out of there while he still could. As he lived in hiding, Jephthah gathered a group of like-minded men. Scoundrels, vagabonds, reckless daredevils, people on the run. All of them flocked to Jephthah, a capable leader as he'd grown up in the house of one of the major lords. 
So he's gonna have this heroic story where he lives an upstanding life, makes tough decisions, abides by a strict code of honor, rescues his family who end up accepting him as one of their own, wins back his homeland, and then falls in love with his aunt, later stabs her to death and uh, gets sentenced to live in a frozen wasteland for the rest of his life? Wait, what in the world was that last part? You had me until the end. No, he's not gonna have a story like that. But basically, what happened is that the Ammonites, a warlike tribe who sacrificed their children to be burnt alive and all that kind of really nasty stuff, decided to make war against the Hebrews and they were absolutely dominating them. Seeing as the Hebrews did not want to see their children being burnt alive, they were desperate enough to humble themselves, get on their knees, and beg Jephthah to come back and be their leader. Jephthah was, understandably, cautious. Why did they want him now? They'd sent him away and tried to kill him. Yes, the leaders of the tribe agreed, we really didn't like you, but we're desperate now. We swear that if you help us win, you'll be our leader. This was enough for Jephthah. He always hoped to be invited back home, no matter what the circumstances were. So he and his gang of scoundrels made their way back toward the land of the Hebrews with the messenger. Jephthah immediately took his new position to heart and started sending messengers to the king of the Ammonites, asking him why his people were making war against the Hebrews. This was just classic ancient world pleasantries. Everyone knew that people made war for just any and all reasons, but this was like the first step at potentially making peace that usually just turned into a huge fight between two stubborn and proud men which ruined negotiations and ended up resulting in a lot of innocent blood being shed. The king of the Ammonites was very clear. 300 years ago, the Israelites had taken some of his land. Now give it back. Jephthah sent a lengthy reply, but the basic summary was that we took it because you were jerks and absolutely deserved it. If you wanted it back, you should have gotten moving hundreds of years ago, and we took it fair and square with the help of our God. If you want it back, let's test your God in pitched battle. Your God takes land for you all the time. If he's so powerful, let him take it back. The king of Ammon, obviously, didn't back down and instead marched his armies out to battle. Before meeting them, Jephthah swore to God that he would offer the first thing that came out of his house as a burnt sacrifice. If you could think of any way this could possibly go wrong, you're smarter than Jephthah, who apparently saw no problem with this and thought it was the greatest idea ever. Then he went into battle and he completely smashed the Ammonites. He devastated their lands, took their supplies and totally humiliated them. Then he headed for home. His daughter, hearing that her father was coming home, came out overjoyed, laughing and skipping. When Jephthah saw her, he was heartsick. He'd promised to sacrifice the first thing that came out to him, but he couldn't sacrifice his daughter. His daughter shook her head. Her father must do what he promised God, of course. She only asked for two months to spend in the mountains with her friends, mourning the fact that she would die a virgin. At the end of the two months, Jephthah's daughter returned and sorrowfully, he offered her as a burnt sacrifice to God. Ever after that, the Hebrew women spent four days mourning for Jephthah's daughter, ostensibly because they loved and missed her, but probably more accurately because the very erratic men in their lives could now apparently require them to become burnt offerings to Yahweh, in addition to all the other ways it sucked to be a woman in the ancient times. And there were a lot. We'll find out what happens when Jephthah forgets to invite some people to the Ammonite killing party, but that will be right after this. 
Around this time, some of the men from a rival Hebrew tribe who weren't invited to the fighting decided to get onto him, not for killing his own daughter, but for not inviting them to the fight. Going from zero to a hundred very quickly and threatening to burn his house down, they were incredibly angry that he did not think that they were worthy to fight, apparently. Jephthah lacked the peacekeeping skills of Gideon, who came from the same tribe as Jephthah and was threatened by the same rival tribe. Instead of doing what Gideon did and basically saying that the rival tribe was the breadbasket of the nation and leaving them home to grow food was super important, Jephthah basically just told the rival tribe that, tough luck, they sucked, and that's why he didn't invite them to the fight. Jephthah, with his own tribe at his back, went to war against the rival Hebrew tribe and started killing them. After completely defeating and humiliating them, Jephthah should have went home and had enough. But no, he still had his pride to think of. So Jephthah and the men of his tribe went down and seized the river crossings in the area. When anyone tried to cross the river, Jephthah's men would first ask them if they were from the rival tribe. If they said no, and most of them obviously did, Jephthah's men would ask them to say Shibboleth. The rival tribe had a strong accent and would say Sibboleth, which would earn them an immediate death sentence, as the only language ancient world people understood was overkill. After killing about 42,000 people, Jephthah's men stopped. We aren't exactly sure that either they got really tired of killing people, there were just very few rival tribesmen left, although we know the tribe wasn't exterminated because it appears again later, or most likely Jephthah bit the dust because he ruled for an incredibly short amount of time. Jephthah was succeeded by Elon. Yes, Elon is a Bible name. Shout out to Elon Musk for having a Bible name and also dropping a SoundCloud bop called R.I.P. Harambe. Anyway, that's really the only reason I brought up Elon. Jephthah's story is a pretty sad story about a guy who was given a great chance to be a hero by God, but then neutralized the happy beginning by sacrificing his own daughter in a twist very dark for the rest of the Bible and just run of the mill for the book of Judges. And also killing thousands of people after they'd already lost a war. Actually, I've realized I've been pretty heavy on the book of Judges in my choice of stories for this podcast. I've almost told every single story from Judges. Someday, we'll do an episode on Gideon and one on Micah to complete the set. But that won't be today, or next time. Both the stories today show that God has a soft spot in his heart for cripples, bastards, and broken things. Please forgive me. God arranged it so Jephthah, the bastard, would be a leader of the Hebrews against the enemy people. But what we do after that is our own choice. Jephthah, afraid that people would think he was rash and a coward for not breaking his word, killed his own daughter and offered her to God, despite God saying that human sacrifices were disgusting to him because he didn't want to lose his newfound position. Jephthah then led his men in killing thousands upon thousands of people from a rival tribe, even after hostilities were over and the rival tribesmen were fleeing. His relentless quest to stay in power led him to do horrifying things. The entire Bible is full of stories where societal outcasts get a chance to start fresh, to do better, to be better. Sometimes they choose to take that opportunity. Sometimes they reject it. And sometimes that opportunity leads to their corruption. It's all their choice. But no one can say that God doesn't give the opportunity to society's outcasts. Christianity is not a meritocracy where the best people win. It's not a cutthroat competition for success. It's 100% choices And the more someone chooses God and the less they choose to do whatever they feel like in the moment, the more they succeed. In fact, 
Ab does not often choose society's winners because they are much less likely to realize their need of him and much more likely to do whatever they feel like. God has a special spot in his heart for those who are humble, teachable, and those who are outcasts in our world because he remembers being an outcast in our world himself. Think about who got picked to be disciples. Redneck fishermen, nationalist terrorists, bootlickers of the occupying regime, oh, and one educated guy who ended up betraying him. So if you feel like you're a loser, not good enough for God, or just a mess in general, you're probably just the person he's looking for. He can help you. He can help you become better. On the other hand, if you're totally competent, God's happy to have you too. Just don't be like the judges and do absolutely whatever you feel like, because as you've seen, it leads to absolute havoc. That's all for today. Well, this is a really short episode, but I've had some long ones recently, so I think everything's just about evening out. Plus, this is a really great story, even if it's a short one. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Next episode will be the penultimate episode of season two, and it will be on the golden calf, and we'll find out just how easy it is to make a fun god to worship, and just how crazy everybody goes once some people start dancing around it. I just want to take this time to thank all of my listeners so much. You guys are the reason why I keep creating new content. If you want to help out, leave a five-star review and tell your friends about this podcast. The real way to spread this is by word of mouth. And I really want to get some new listeners to hear some of this great new content that I'm creating. So please tell all your friends about it. Just keep bothering them and telling them they have to listen to Tales from Sacred Texts. That'll work, right? Anyway, I hope you all have a really great week and I'll see you next time. Bye.